afternoon, Seven Investors, and welcome to the Friday edition of Seven Investing Now. My name is Daniel Brooks Klein, but my friends call me Dan, so call me Dan. I'm joined today by Max Chatsko and Steve Symington. Max, since we last saw you, you got punched in the face. Do you want to explain what happened here? Uh, yeah, well, someone else hit me with their car, and then uh, I was like, hey, man, come on, because they were texting. And then the passenger got out and punched me in the face, so I had a fun week. And, uh, Max is being held together by tape, wires, and maybe gum. Steve, you've got like a foot of snow. What is going on in Montana there? Uh, it's it's kind of slowly melting now. We got hit with a historic winter storm, so that was interesting. And all the <laughs> the the trees still haven't even lost their leaves. So uh, no, it's 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 uh, welcome to Montana time for anybody who just moved here. It rained here in West Palm Beach today, and then it was so unbelievably hot afterwards, you could literally see the steam rising. It looked like Dagobah. Like, I fully <laughs> expected Yoda to, to, to walk by, which would have been an awesome costume. It is almost Halloween. If you see that it's swampy outside and you own a Yoda costume, you're almost obligated to go outside and use it. But that said, uh, this show is going to cover the news of the day, but with a long-term perspective. It's an interactive program. Uh, you can interact with us on social media. You can share comments in wherever you're seeing this. In theory, they will get to us. But with that, let's take a look at the top stories we have for you today on 7investing now. We're going to take a look at Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google Parent Alphabet's earnings. That is an insane murderer's row of companies. After that, we'll be followed by what we're watching, where we each bring a story that we're following today, offering our insight and analysis. Max has a company I'd never heard of until today. Steve has one we've all heard of. I have one you've all gone to in the last two or three days. But uh, Steve, why don't you give us the top line overview of how Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google did? All right, so we're going to go a, a quick top and bottom line overview of, of how they, they work. So uh, Amazon, <laughs> its report was about as absurd as I expected it to be uh, and much better than consensus uh, expected it to be. Quarterly net sales were up 37% year over year to $96 billion in the last three months. That's just crazy. Operating income nearly doubled to $6.2 billion. Um, both, you know, really crushing estimates. Uh, earnings per share nearly tripled to twelve forty three per share. But we all know that's sort of a, a strange moving target for Amazon, which spent the better part of its first two decades of a, as being a publicly traded company uh, without really, really sans profits. Um, Apple, though, uh, you're going to cover this more in more detail. But just a quick recap: net sales were up a modest one percent to sixty seven sixty four point seven billion. Uh, EPS modestly beat as well. Facebook shares of Facebook are down 6% right now, but that doesn't mean their uh, results were bad. Uh, earnings of 271 per share beat uh, consensus estimates pretty handily. Uh, revenue for Facebook was up 22% year over year to 21 point, just under 21.5 billion. That also beat estimates. Um, really Really strong results all around. I'm going to let Max dive into Alphabet. That's the parent company of Google uh, because you looked uh, much closer uh, at Google, Max. Yeah, Steve, let me jump in and just say that all of these are strong results and the market is not necessarily rewarding them. So this is when we talk about long-term investing, you want companies to put up good numbers. You don't necessarily care what happens to the stock immediately after earnings. Max, what did Alphabet, what did Google do? Well, in true uh, long-term investor form, I actually don't even know what's happening to Google stock today. So, uh, But the quarter was great. The company's not really seeing a slowdown at all. So 
Total revenue was up 14% year over year. Operating income was up 24% year over year. And net income, thanks to a huge swing in other income, was up 59% year over year. Um, but more importantly, ad revenue was up 10%. That was um, guided by 32% from YouTube ads and a 6% gain year over year in search. So no slowdown there um, at all. Cloud was up 45% year over year. So these are still smaller components of Google's business, but the, the company's taking um, you know, the pandemic in stride and, and making changes to search results. So uh, its new language uh, algorithm, BERT, is now used in almost all English language searches, and that's helping people to find information faster, get better results. And it's also adapted to the pandemic by you know, making search better. If you are looking for a restaurant, it now has things that, oh, does this have curbside available? Um, so helping people find information better. All of these companies have uh, put significant effort into adapting to the needs of now. Whether someplace had curbside pickup wasn't relevant seven months ago or eight months ago, it is now. And Google's done a really good job with that. The ad numbers are impressive. Steve, Facebook's on your list. It's also an ad play. What do their numbers look like? Yeah, so uh the facebook's revenues from advertising uh and you know it's it's overall revenue and well it's ad revenue was up 22 percent year over year uh but what's interesting is if you go down in the the earnings press release commentary from their cfo uh he's basically saying that uh, facebook thinks the pandemic is contributing to an acceleration in the shift of commerce from offline to online and that's obvious we know that's happening uh the pandemic's helping uh e-commerce and uh, really, Facebook is seeing increased demand in its advertising as a result of that acceleration. And, um, you know, really, uh, online commerce is, is an enormous vertical. Uh, you know, they, there's there's a risk in that any changes in that trend that, you know, might kind of slow down, like if, as the pandemic wanes, that uh, Facebook could see some headwinds there. Um, but it, it's really just seen an exceptional quarter and uh, it, it's proving that digital advertisers are, are really thriving in this environment. So uh, there, there's some risk going forward uh, that, you know, some of the, the, the pulled forward traffic that it's seeing um, might wane a little bit as people kind of get off of their computers. Um, but right now, uh, it doesn't seem like there's any, um, you know, yeah, and, light and, at the and end. The reality, Steve, is this traffic might, wane as we're able to go and do things but the trend mm -hmm. of more advertising moving to places like facebook people don't talk about it but facebook is a massive engine for small business advertising and that's something yeah. that's going to be needed you can micro target in ways we're also heading into a presidential election so their next quarter is going to have some of those numbers in it and, and i'll tell you when there's a presidential election it tends to be good for the entire advertising chain because the political ads might be on facebook and that forces like the sprint ads on to other websites and sort of lesser websites. It tends to be a rising tide that lifts all boats, but let's finish up with Apple. Uh, so this is the calm before the storm quarter because the iPhone 12, it's sort of released. Most people haven't got theirs yet. I think mine comes like November 5th, something like that. You know, assuming we're not in a, in a post-election uh, civil war at that point, it should arrive. Uh, but Apple reported its fourth quarter earnings and they slightly exceeded Wall Street expectations. Um, I don't really care about Wall Street expectations. Apple hasn't been offering guidance, so it's hard to know uh, where they were. But their earnings per share was uh, 73%. That was a little bit above estimate. Their revenue was $64.7 That's up 1%. Here's the number everyone hang their hat on. iPhone revenue was down 20.7%. And on the surface level, if you only cover this quarter, you're going to go, hey, it's down. That's bad. 
Here's the reality. Of course it's down. If you know the new iPhone is coming out, Steve, would you pay the same price for the old iPhone? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. So I'm I'm shocked that it's 20.7%. I thought it would be zero. <laughs> like the 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 people who spent $26.4 billion on iPhone revenue are obviously people taking advantage of new pricing on some of the older models that weren't looking. But <clears throat> if their iPhone revenue is down next month, that's a concern. But let's look at the reality of their other business. Their service revenue is $14.55 billion. That's up 16.3% year over year. Their other products revenue is $7.88 billion. Uh, that's up 20.9%. You add those two together, you're at about $22 billion. That's not that far below the $26.44 billion that you have from iPhone revenue. Then you get $9 billion in Mac revenue. That's 26%, uh, 28% up. $6.8 billion in iPad revenue, all of this at a gross margin of 38.2%. This is a company that the biggest fear about Apple was that too much of their revenue came from iPhone. They've done a stellar job in diversifying uh, and having their money come from more places. So it's not that the iPhone's not important because the iPhone's driving a lot of that service revenue, but it is no longer the one thing to hang their hat on. I think Apple's done a great job. And of course, the stock was down about 5% based on, you know, I would say really short-term news. Guys, any uh, any final thoughts on earnings? I think these are all really, really strong reports. And I don't really care how the market reacts because eventually reality will catch up to stock price. Yeah. And uh, I guess one of the things uh, before we, well, we move on to maybe more earnings, but uh, <laughs> one of the things that, that we'll want to note is that Amazon shares are down uh, pretty handily right now. And uh, I mean, I guess, you know, keeping in mind, they kind of rallied into the report. Uh, but part of the reason Amazon shares are falling right now is because they said their operating profit's going to be under pressure in the fourth quarter because they're expecting to spend roughly $4 billion in COVID-19 related costs. So they said operating profit in Q4 is going to be, I think, between $1 billion and $4.5 billion. Wall Street was expecting closer to $6 billion or so. But uh, if we include that $4 billion in COVID costs, they, you know, it would have been kind of right in line with where uh, it should have been. But um, and, you know, it actually on the, the higher end of that would have would have uh, pretty handily beat it. But uh, really, this is temporary stuff and Amazon isn't going anywhere. And it's silly to see their stock price fall or anybody selling it on a report like this uh, by any other measure. This was absolutely exceptional. Yeah, this has happened a couple of times during the pandemic where Amazon has come out and said, um, you know, hey, we're not going to be quite as profitable because we have to spend some money to mitigate coronavirus. Some of that mitigation is investing in infrastructure, and that's going to pay off. So, look, some of it is masks and, and misters and other things that are, are going to be used up, but some of it is also just making their supply chain better, becoming more efficient. Uh, Max, I'll ask you, and I know you're not a retail person, but the trend I've seen from all of these, these, you know, whether it's Amazon and retail or Walmart or Target or Apple or the big players, the pandemic has made the rich richer and the strong stronger. Is that is that how you take it as someone who's not really an investor in this space? Yeah, I mean, I can absolutely see that. You know, when everyone's sitting at home, it's much easier to order something online. You might not even go into the store. Um, and even, you know, Walmart has uh, online sales now. So Makes sense to me that, you know, where else are you going to go? You're going to go to these big companies that are familiar. You know, you can get shipping pretty easily, you know, and you can, it's very transparent. That, uh, guys, we're going to move on from earnings. Steve, I don't know if you know this, but this program is brought to you by the team at Seven Investing. That's the three of us. That's Simon Erickson. That's Matt Cochran. That's Austin Lieberman. 
November 11th, we're going to tell you who the seventh person is. This is like finding out who the eighth Cylon was on Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> it is going to be interesting. There will be fireworks. There will be balloons. For me, there will be cotton candy. So if you, you want to come by, there'll be cotton candy. A musical seven, number, I think, right? There'll be a musical number. There'll be, yeah, it's going to be very <laughs> exciting. But at 7investing, we offer a simple proposition. You give us $17 a month or $170 a year, or you send us $170 in Bitcoin. Well, we don't take that yet, but we're working on it. Our team of advisors, that's the six people I just mentioned in the Mystery 7th, will give you our seven best stock recommendations each month. We'll also give you access to our team. We've done a couple of members-only events where you know not a huge amount of people are there. You can talk to us. If you're a member and you reach out to us, we'll answer you. We're working on ways to making that easier. So we don't just give you the picks. We're working on things like a blog where we'd give you, hey, here's how I'm a pretty conservative investor and I'm buying some of Max's stocks as a way to, to give myself a little more risk, to give my portfolio a little bit more diversity. You can't do this at the big companies, the big giant places. They can't talk to you one-on-one. We're going to know our members. We can't give you personalized investing advice, but we can talk about trends and give you access to our amazing team. So to, to join us, visit 7investing.com slash subscribe. If you just go to 7investing.com, it is not difficult to find. Guys, now it's time for what we're watching. In this segment, Max and Steve each pick one story they want to talk about. This can be whatever we're looking at today or just something we find interesting in the financial, business, or investment world. And when they're done, I'm going to weigh in quickly on Starbucks earning. Max, you brought one up uh, that I've never heard of, Bluebird Bio. Uh, They're being sued? Fill me in on what's going on here. What is this company and why are they being sued? Yeah, so Bluebird Bio is a uh, gene therapy developer, right? And they're developing gene therapies for rare blood disorders like beta thalamasia and sickle cell disease. So they've been on some hard times lately. They had some regulatory delays, but the clinical data at least is, is pretty good. It looks like they'll eventually earn approvals for their lead drug candidates. But something I've been watching for maybe two years now, and no one's really been talking about it, is that this company, Bluebird Bio, and one of its former research partners, Memorial Sloan Kettering, are actually being sued So there's another company called Errant Gene Therapies. It was developing a similar and competing gene therapy to Bluebird Bio like over 15 years ago. And they were working with Sloan Kettering. The allegations are that Sloan Kettering kind of shelved this competing product and then started working with Bluebird. So this has been working its way through the court system for years. But the trial finally started yesterday and it continues through the uh, beginning of next week. So it's messy. Um, this other company is looking for damages of maybe up to a billion dollars and no one's really talking about how this might affect Bluebird. Um, so this is something that, you know, could be pretty messy. It could be absolutely nothing. You know, I mean, this could get thrown out of court, no damages could be awarded, or it could be something like a very small paltry amount. Um, but you know, just the way that it's been going for Bluebird with kind of a continuous stream of bad news, it wouldn't be fun to say, oh yeah, by the way, we have to pay a couple hundred million dollars in a fine. So, so Max, let, let me jump in. If I'm going to guess this is not a buy if you don't already own it. Is it a hold if you do? Ooh. Well, personally, I mean, if you, I've read through a lot of the court documents, and there's some very unflattering emails from executives both at Sloan Kettering and Bluebird Bio. So the optics aren't great. And then if you think about the other optics, which are there's technically agreement between Sloan Kettering and Bluebird, where if there are damages paid, Sloan Kettering actually has to pay all of it. So the optics of a nonprofit research center 
paying the fines for, you know, maybe some not so nice behavior from a for-profit company where the CEO made $78 million in stock sales in recent years. Terrible optics. So um, I'm definitely not buying it. If you own it, um, you know, yeah, this probably won't affect, um, I should say it absolutely won't affect uh, the drug candidates that are already in the wings. It's just kind of another bit of bad news and maybe uh, a hit to the balance sheet. And it's also worth noting that lawsuits come and go, that just because you're being sued, we've talked about my, my family's in the ladder and scaffolding business. We got sued all the time. Uh, we still get sued all the time. The vast majority of the lawsuits, like 999 out of 1,000, never see court uh, and were generally filed uh, hoping for a settlement. But with that, we are going to seg into an entirely different company, one you've actually heard of. Uh, Max brings the companies that we're learning about. Steve is going to bring one that we all have talked about. It has not mm. been a great performer for a while. Uh, I think largely because they shouldn't be selling products to me at a discount, uh, which they do. But Steve, you wanted to talk about Under Armour earnings. Why don't you give us uh, give us the lowdown there? Right. So uh, Under Armour is sort of this, I uh, have this love-hate relationship. I've owned shares of Under Armour personally for, I think the first shares I bought were back in 2008, 2009. Um, so, you know, it's been a rough couple of years, uh, a lot of missteps by missteps by management. Um, but, uh, you know, shares shares tried to rally this morning, but I think the, the broader market's kind of preventing that from happening right now. Uh, revenue came in flat for the most recent quarter, at like one point four three billion, uh, pretty handily beat estimates uh, by a few hundred million dollars. And uh, that was as their core apparel business declines there were offset by strong footwear and accessories sales. So uh, earnings also declined, but uh, you know they exceeded estimates again. But um, <clears throat> we have kind of an admission that there's been some missteps by management uh, in that they confirmed wide speculation that they're selling a couple of their fitness apps they bought several years ago. So they're actually selling my fitness pal. They struck a deal to sell it for 345 million for perspective. It acquired my, acquired my fitness pal for 475 million. Uh, and I think it was February, 2015. And, uh, it's also winding down Endomondo. Uh, that's another app that bought around the same time for $85 million. Uh, they say it's to basically sharpen their focus on the brand experience. I think, uh, what they might not say in their press releases is that it's an attempt to kind of shore up their balance sheet and uh, fund some of their growth opportunities. Um, <clears throat> shares. Yeah, of- St- Steve, yeah, let me jump ahead. in here. So there's an Under Armour outlet near me and I would say I visit there uh, twice a month, maybe. And yeah. at no point have I ever seen as much as a poster pushing what what was that edamame their app and, and, and my, fit, yeah. <laughs> my fitness guy like like i should know these things nike which has a similar product probably a much mm-hmm. better product has signs for it in their outlet stores like this seems to me like there's some functional things broken at under armor as a yeah. shareholder are you confident that they can reset this is a premium brand that's been um, selling its merchandise at heavy discounts I I would call this a fantastic step in the right direction. Now, the idea when they acquired these apps several years ago uh, was that they were acquiring these big cohesive fitness communities and getting to know their consumer better. And I think the uh, the the struggles they've had over the past couple of years have really um, have really kind of it, it's it's hurt. Uh, their ability to to connect with their consumer, and uh, I think it's it's great that they're raising a few hundred million dollars here uh, in the process that they can use to kind of double down and reset things. and And shares have quietly doubled since May. 
uh, for anyone who's continued to hold on. So I didn't, I didn't go sell my entire Under Armour stake uh, back then. And, and uh, maybe part of that's just being stubborn, but uh, I've lost a fair bit of confidence in uh, management given their missteps over the past few years. But uh, uh, I'm not buying more shares, uh, but I'm not selling anything either. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Did, did, they, did they break out how much of it was the $30 mask that I bought four of? Yeah, I know you both wondered why I put a mask on in the middle of the show, yeah. but it really is one of the better made, more durable masks. It's actually worth the price. Did like I'm yeah. actually curious because they sell out very quickly. I'm curious yeah. I, how much of their business came from that. I didn't see any anything uh, in their press release specifically breaking that out, but uh, that's the thing that I've always loved about Under Armour's products is there's always something uh, that differentiates them. You know, they make they make great stuff, and uh, they've tried to position themselves as a premium brand, but I think some of that's kind of uh, it's hurt them as other uh, other brands have kind of embraced, like Nike embraced athleisure. Uh, that trend in in a way that nobody else did, and Under Armour tried to maintain their premium positioning at to their detriment, and uh, uh, that was frustrating to kind of watch uh, unfold over the last couple of years. So, well, hey, I uh, I use My Fitness Pal to track all the soup and ice cream and yogurt I'm eating until my uh, teeth fall out in the next couple of weeks, probably. So, can you, <laughs> can you expand on that? Like, why are they just getting out of the software? Like, it just wasn't a good fit. They just want to focus on uh, well, their core product. They- it, they they had you know a really expensive asset uh, that had very difficult to measure returns, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it was always sort of this intangible value uh, that they thought this massive fitness community brought to their brand, uh, but it was really hard to capitalize on that when the rest of their business was struggling so much. And I think what's happening is they're basically resetting. They say we want to refocus on the core Under Armour brand. And, uh, you know, they've got plenty of places to spend that money uh, that would be better, you know, better serving shareholders if it wasn't tied up in a $400 million app. And uh, I I think that's what happened is they basically admitted, you know what, Uh, not the right time. You know, maybe if they're Nike, they can afford to do that and they can effectively fold it into their existing connected fitness offerings. But they just haven't been able to do that since they bought them five years ago. Steve, I'm focusing on Leisure Ath, which is where uh, I'm watching sports on television while eating a pint of ice cream on my couch. That's, that's uh, I'm actually not. I've actually been working out as much as, as I possibly can. Guys, let me ask you a little bit. I'm going to talk about Starbucks quickly here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're big Starbucks guys, but pre-pandemic, I would say I was a five to seven day a week Starbucks customer. I would stop there on the way to the office in the morning. I would walk there. I would sometimes work out of a Starbucks. And in the pandemic, I've become a Starbucks as a treat person because the lines are very long. You can actually go into my Starbucks now, but the drive through line is, you know, 30, 40 minutes. So I'm like once or twice a week, but I'm spending more. Steve, you go first. What were your Starbucks habits? Do you have a Starbucks anywhere near you? And have they oh, changed? Yeah. We've got one about five minutes ago and we never stopped going. Uh it was one of those that didn't close down. And, you know, I've got an almost 13-year-old daughter who's obsessed with Starbucks. Uh, you know, maybe not necessarily the coffee drinks, but she loves the sandwiches and she loves the little caramel crunch stuff. And, you know, we're always dropping by there. We get the the little dog cup of whipped cream. And, you know, so and they're always friendly. They're always happy. It was a great place to be. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of a, so a for, fantastic. So for, for you, would you say nothing has changed consumption-wise? Yeah, uh, not really. Uh, not a not a whole lot to change consumption wise for us. So, Max, what were your Starbucks habits before this, and what are they now? 
I wasn't a big Starbucks user. I'd go there occasionally. Um, it's affected my little brother more. He's autistic and he likes to go there to get, he calls them vanilla milkshakes, but it's the uh, vanilla bean frappuccino. So he uh, has to cut back on that a little bit. But um, yeah, I wasn't a big, you know, consumer of Starbucks uh, even before the pandemic. But I'm weird. I'm a bad millennial. You guys know this. Come on. <laughs> You're so, the worst so, millennial. <laughs> so Starbucks has suffered from changing habits. We don't drive to work, so we don't necessarily drive by our Starbucks. Or I know when I used to be at our old employer in Alexandria, uh, I would walk by a, a Starbucks on my way to the office and I would not only buy something for myself, I would text some of my colleagues that I was meeting with early, hey, who wants a coffee? And I'd buy four or five coffees. That was like part of my habit. Well, we're not traveling to those places. Uh, I'm often, when I'm not working, in a casino and Vegas casinos have Starbucks. I would start my day and probably two or three times during my day have a coffee because it's a long day in Las Vegas. None of that is happening. And that makes Starbucks's results even more impressive. Global Steam stores sales were down 9%. People are shopping less, but they're spending more money. And that's being driven by the pumpkin products. People like their their pumpkin spice latte, their pumpkin cream cold brew and frappuccinos. Their fourth quarter net income was 33%. Uh, 33 cents per share, about $400 million. That's about half of last year. That's still pretty damn impressive, in my opinion, making money during a pandemic. And I bring this up because Starbucks is a company that invested heavily in technology, in mobile order and pay, and other sort of ways you could get. And they've doubled down on that. And that proved to be very valuable. So it might take another quarter or two to come back. It might take the end of the pandemic. They, you know, They, of course, said foot traffic is down. Uh, but they're saying they expect a faster rebound than expected by analysts. And why do I bring all this up? It's because management matters. Nobody at Starbucks was planning for a pandemic, but they were planning for cultural shifts on work, uh, optionality in terms of delivery, and that's all paying off. I haven't looked at where these, the stock is, but these numbers are insanely good. Guys, now to close the show, Sam Bailey, we're going to hit our finisher. If you want to share the graphic we asked the following question on Twitter. Earning results have been strong, and stock prices will eventually reflect that. Do you agree? 56.3% of you agree. 4.3% of you disagree. 29.6% of you, some yes, some no. 9.9% said depends on the pandemic. Max, where do you weigh in on this? Oh, man. I mean, eventually companies get rewarded. You know, the pandemic will be a short term thing. If we do have more lockdowns or, you know, movement restrictions, I should say. Um, yeah, that will take a short term hit. But I think most companies are still going to be around, you know, five years from now. So maybe I'm more in the uh, some yes, some no category. Steve, I'll let you weigh in. I'll just say, I think companies are what they are, that you have some bad companies that report results and they pull out something good. I was joking about JCPenney earlier, but Sears was famous for that. Literally, they'd basically be doing their press conference at a burning Sears store and they would say, and they would find <laughs> something. They'd be like, women's hats. Uh, we, we're trending 30% higher in women's hats. And like, we really think that's going to be a good trend for the holiday season. I think that sometimes is a false positive. But we're getting false negatives with all these tech companies. You can't look at the Starbucks, the Amazon, the Google, uh, the Facebook results and not say these are unbelievably positive. And quality companies eventually sort of shake off whatever weird bear argument people are making after a good earnings report. Steve, your thoughts here? Yeah, I uh, I think uh, you know it does pe- it does depend on the pandemic. But for the best businesses that are continuing to thrive throughout the pandemic, regardless. 
uh, I think they're going to emerge even stronger and uh, their share prices will eventually reflect that. So uh, maybe I'll say A, then D. <laughs> so Steve, combining the two. Steve, as we close the show, if anyone's watching, watching us live, watching us in the replay, we do this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. We might start doing it later in the day to reflect the market better, but we haven't figured that one out yet. But Steve, if people want to subscribe to 7investing, our amazing service that helps guide you through the stock market, how would they do that? Yep, just go to 7investing.com slash subscribe. And if you have any questions, just send us an email, uh, info at 7investing.com. And uh, we're, we're monitoring that and, uh, and you'll be talking to us directly. And uh, that's one of those things that's, that's beautiful about our services that we love interacting with our subscribers. Uh, but again, 7investing.com, subscribe. And you can, uh, you can also direct message us at 7investing on Twitter. <clears throat> we are really responsive. But Max, not so much. Max isn't on the Twitter all that often. <laughs> but me and Austin and, and Steve and, and, and Matt uh, and Simon, we're on Twitter a lot. Uh, Max is on, I don't know, MySpace maybe. I'm not really sure. He hasn't quite figured this out. <laughs> his but, favorite song plays when you visit his profile. It's amazing. But so. if you join, you get direct access to us. And that is really valuable. You want to you know, hear the ins and outs of uh, the biotech space, the retail space, the technology space, all the different areas we cover, members get unbelievable access to that. But with that, this is the end of our show. This is the end of our week. For Max and Steve, I'm Dan Klein. We'll see you Monday. See you guys. Reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. And before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult with a financial or tax professional.